hope you had a fantastic Super Bowl weekend, fantastic Valentine's Day, and an even better NBA All-Star break weekend. Man, we haven't done a show since February 7th, today being March 3rd, a Thursday. We were trying to do one yesterday, recorded this intro about an hour and 20, that's before edit, you know, chop it down a little bit. I go to save it and I hit the delete button, man. I almost cried, almost, almost cried, put a lot of hard work into these shows, you know, try to make them entertaining, fun, funny, informational, you know, knowledgeable, all those good things. And then I hit the delete button and it didn't even ask me, are you sure you want to delete? No. As soon as I hit the delete button, hasta la vista, peace out. That's what happened. So never doing that again. And I'm surprised after over two years of doing this show, that's the first time it happens. Yeah, I guess you got to take the bad with the good, the good with the bad, and it's try, try, try again. So we're here for episode 214. We're not hitting a delete button this time. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. Thanks for checking out Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Man, this is an action-packed show. We're going to break down some IHSA postseason action from winter sports, boys bowling, girls bowling, competitive dance, state tournament, girls wrestling, and boys wrestling. Still got a few going on. Girls basketball, boys basketball, boys swimming. We'll get to those next episode. But we got to break down the ones that have finished, that have just awesome stuff going on. Lots of fantastic wrestlers, bowlers, dancers from this area that did their thing. Speaking of doing their thing, I know we just said boys basketball going on. We were at a game two days ago on Tuesday. Class 2A sectional in Mendota, number three Princeton against number one Farmington. Man, it was a good game. It was close for the most part. We had a tie game at halftime, and then things just went Farmington's way. Princeton just could not match the firepower that Farmington had. It was just defense, didn't make as many turnovers as Princeton did, and the rebounds. Man, it seemed like every single time Farmington had an offensive possession, they were getting an offensive rebound. But great game. Princeton had a fantastic, fantastic season. Jason Smith, Princeton boys basketball coach. We talked to him today. So he is going to be on a very, 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 very soon episode of Edge of Your Seat podcast. Didn't say the score yet. Princeton fell 65-56. And with Farmington's win, they are in the sectional final in Mendota on Friday. Don't know where you're listening to this one at, but you can catch every single episode, every show of Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and rss.com backslash podcast. That's plural with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Social media, hit us up on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your CP. If you have any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a great guest, you want to sponsor with us, shoot us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Also on this episode, after we get done with the IHSA stuff, before the Super Bowl, the Wednesday before, I talked to three of Edge of Your Seat Podcast best friends. Ski Hartman, the general manager of Shimmer Mendota Ford, slanging cars all over the place, and also a sponsor of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. 
Tony Milas, former co-host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and will always be a brother to us, to me. He's on here. And Devin Masters, who is now the honorary Edge of Your Seat Podcast wingman. So the three of them dropped some Super Bowl predictions. Right after the Super Bowl happened, I'm working on the show. I was actually working on the show before the Super Bowl because I wanted it to come out. Things happened. Couldn't get it out. I was like, you know what? We'll do it the next day. See if they were right or wrong with the predictions. Then I get COVID. Out for two weeks. Yeah, it was not cool. But we're back. Ready to do the show better than ever. You know how it goes. So we got to drop their predictions on and see what they had said. It is never too late to talk about football and With no baseball around the corner, the MLB probably not going to have a spring training or an opening day. Let's talk football. I can talk football all year round. I'm sure you can too if you're listening to the show and know we dig sports. You dig sports. Hey, we dig everything, but you know, sports is sports. So we'll have them on as well. IHSA Breakdown is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Let's get to boys bowling. The last episode, we had gotten caught up until the state tournament. So we talked about regionals, we talked about sectionals. Now let's see what they did at state. January 28th and 29th at the St. Clair Bowling Alley in O'Fallon is where it was held. Day one, it's a lot of good stuff. Eric Roberts from Harlem, which is in McChesney Park, The senior was leading after day one as he shot a 731 in the first three games and a 664 in the second set of three games. So six games and each day, better get your pins, get your money, because then that's how you win hardware, how you take state championships and the Hall of Fame, haha, I'm good type bragging rights. Eric Roberts, with those scores, had an average of 232 and a half pins per game. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, insane. Our boy, friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, senior from St. Bede, Trenton Acunchis, was eighth after day one with a 680 and a 684 for a 227.3 average. At 55th was senior from Oregon, Isaac Colton Bruin, with a 629 and a 598 for a 204.5 average. Coming in 91st, after day one was Ethan Pico, junior from LaSalle, Peru, who rolled a 615 and a 547 for an average of 193.7. Finishing 91st, Ethan was knocked out after day one, did not get to compete in day two. Anytime you go to a state tournament, whether you advance to the second day, whether you finish in the top 25, whatever you do, it's a crazy, crazy accomplishment. Be proud of yourself. Of course, we all want to win. Every single person that competes in everything, anything, wants to win. Wants to win, right? But there's only one winner. So be proud of yourself for your effort and the good things that you're doing. Ethan has nothing to be ashamed of. I could never roll 193 in one game, let alone six. Day two, which was Saturday, January 29th. Wrap up the team championships. Manuka took it with a 13,014 pins for a total The whole team, their average was 216.9. Whew. You got six people that are bowling like that? Yee. Second in the state was Harlem from McChesney Park with 12,909. 
with a 215.2 average. Individually, Ethan Caruso, sophomore from Minooka, had a two-day total of 2,766 for an average of 230.5. Coming in second was Jamarian Simmons, a junior from Harlem, 2,735 two-day total with an average of 227.9. Third was Eric Roberts, senior from Harlem, 2,721 two-day total, average of 226.8. Brandon Caruso, senior from Minooka, 2,698 was the total, 224.8 average. Yes, we do not cover Manuka or Harlem at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. But scores like that, and to have the top four dominant like that, two Manukas who I'm guessing are brothers, a sophomore and a senior, both named Caruso, and a, and a senior and a junior from Harlem in the second and third spots, man, that's dominance. Had to give them their props. Also getting props though, Trenton Acunchis finishes seventh. He just snuck by the sectional. Just snuck in. He was an at-large qualifier. He gets in the door and bowls his butt off. 2,674 two-day total and an average of 222.8. That's crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. Coming in 73rd, was the senior from Oregon, Isaac Kettlebrun, with a 2,314 two-day total and a 192.8 average. Congratulations to all. This is more than a game here. You think about bowling and you're like, ah, it's just a game. We'll go play with our family. We'll eat some pizza, drink some pops. You know, we'll have a good time. No, these guys are serious. This is Tiger Woods on a golf day in 1998. This is Tom Brady lacing up his cleats for a Super Bowl. That's the way they look at it. I'm glad they do, and I love the way they play this game that is totally a sport. Let's stay on the lanes, but let's go girls. The regionals were February 5th, the sectional February 12th, and the state meet was the 18th and 19th, the Cherry Bowl in Rockford. Been there many times. Cool place to bowl. Lots of things to do. Actually, when I was a kid, I loved going there all the time. Before we break the girls down, boys bowling and girls bowling, when it gets to the postseason, there is no 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, and football goes to 8A, where it categorizes schools by their enrollment size. No, not in bowling. Everybody is bowling against everybody. There are no classes. There's no small schools and big schools and middle schools. No, every school is just a school and they just bowl. So additional props to the people that advance the state, that get to the sectional, that represent their school at a top level, because they're doing it against everybody. Whether you're from a school of 100 people against a school of 2,000 people, it doesn't matter. You're bowling. You're doing your thing. Let's continue. The DeKalb Regional. Dixon won with a 5,197. Sycamore and Oregon also advance as teams to the sectional. Got to be a top four team. Sycamore came in third with 5,193. Oregon came in fourth with a 5,110. Rochelle came in seventh with 4,666. And DeKalb was ninth with a 4,054. Helping Dixon advance was senior Tiana Bryson. Junior Grace DeBoard. Junior Leslie Petteroni. Freshman Autumn Swift. 
senior Abby Tate, Rain Bonwell, and Olivia Gingrass. Helping Sycamore was senior Kayla Crandon, senior Trista Ferretto, junior Maxine Latherop, freshman Caitlin Ryder, junior Brandy Stover, and junior Kiara Wittenberg. Oregon was helped out by junior Ava Wright, who was the individual champ at the DeKalb Regional with a 13-13. Also knocking down some pins for the Hawks, the Lady Hawks, was senior Paige Burcham, junior Mackenzie Brakowczyk, junior Kendra Eller, freshman Trinity Holquist, and sophomore Kylie King. Advancing as individuals, DeKalb Jr. Caden Royalty rolled a 10.89. Rochelle Sr. Alyssa Mickey rolled a 10.64. And Rochelle Freshman Cassidy Vincent rolled a 10.39. When we say individuals, it's an individual that is not on one of the advancing teams. So anybody on Dixon, Sycamore, and Oregon wouldn't be an individual advancer. At the Manuka Regional, Joliet West was victorious with a 5,811. Also advancing was LaSalle, Peru. The Lady Cavs rolled a 5,496 to get to sectional. Ottawa rolled a 45-18 to take 8th, and Morris had a 34-69. Helping the Lady Cavs get out of the regional with the 4th spot was freshman Annalise Ritchie, sophomore Mackenzie Hamilton, sophomore Olivia Weber, senior Maria Pollock, Senior Isabella Weber, who rolled in 11.94 to lead the Lady Cavs. Junior Christine Ritchie. Freshman Melvina Jordan. And freshman Cameron Para. The high score at the Manuka Regional, the regional champ, was Malela Chavez, a junior from Joliet West. Also advancing as individuals were two seniors from Ottawa. Laura Poole tallied a 10.25 and Mackenzie Lewis had a 9.69. At the Normal Community West Regional, Decatur Eisenhower won with a 49.93. Hersher came in fifth with a 39.65. The individual champ was Faith Sprout, a freshman from Normal Community West, who had an 11.77. Also going on to sectional was sophomore Mary Connack from Hersher with an 1100, and Streeter senior Michelle Dobson with a 9.84. At the Rock Island Regional, East Moline took the dub with a 52-42. Geneseo and St. Bede advanced as Geneseo had a 49-66 for third and St. Bede had a 48-90 for fourth. With a 44-92, Sterling had seventh. Kiwani had a 43-11 for eighth and Mendota rolled a 40-91 for ninth. Representing Geneseo, senior Madison Holvelt was the regional champ with a 13-71. Also helping the Maple Leafs, junior Allison States, junior Chloe Beal, sophomore Allison Ford, and junior Sarah Lawrence. St. Bede made it to sectional behind, sophomore Aubrey Acuntius with an 11.04 to lead the squad, senior Paige Kremel, junior Madison Torrance, junior Macy Zeglis, sophomore Veronica Martin, sophomore Kylie Hill, and Gianna Gravetti, who is a junior. Advancing as individuals, Kiwani Jr. Maya Marocha had a 10-24. Hall Jr. Sarah Beyer had a 10-12. And Mendota sent two to the sectional behind senior Kaylee Barkman, who had a 10-08. And freshman Laura Holland, who rolled a 9-92.
The Sactionals happened February 12th at Belvedere. Harlem took it with a 60-13. Sycamore, not too far off as they finished fourth to advance to state as a team with a 54-43 for fourth place. Oregon had a 4,900 for sixth, and Dixon was 11th with a 4,501. Taking the Spartans to state was junior Kara Wittenberg with an 1159. Junior Brandy Stover with 1108. Freshman Caitlin Ryder with a 1094. Sophomore Chista Ferretto with a 1044. And junior Maxine Lathrop with a 1038. Also advancing out of the Belvedere sectional was Oregon junior Ava Wright, who rolled a 1297. At the LaSalle-Peru sectional at the Illinois Valley Super Bowl, the Lady Cavs took it. They were at their home bowling center and said, you ain't beating us, as they rolled a 57-31. St. Bede finished fifth with a 50-71. They missed the fourth spot to advance to state as a team by 16 pins as Rock Island came in fourth with a 50-87. Geneseo had a 48-08 to take 8th. The final tallies for the Lady Cavaliers. Sophomore Olivia Weber led the way with a 12-27. Senior Isabella Weber had an 11-96. Senior Maria Pollock an 11-12. Junior Christine Ritchie an 11-01. And sophomore Mackenzie Hamilton a 10-95. Also advancing out of the LP sectional, Geneseo senior Madison Holvolt who had an 1193, and Kiwani Jr., Maya Marocha, with an 1129. Now let's get to the big dance, the state meet, February 18th and 19th. Man, whew, they dogged it out for sure. Some of these scores, man, when I was writing them down, like, man, I could never even imagine some of this. After the first day, February 18th, Lockport led the way with a 5,919, an average of 197.3. LaSalle, Peru was in 8th with a 5,469, average of 182.3. I've been covering LP Girls Bowling for almost 15 years. Really happy, excited for them, for their performance this year. It just seems like every single season, they have dedicated bowlers who just want to bowl, have fun, but also be competitive and win. So to see them doing this, is awesome for the sport, awesome for the Lady Cavaliers. Sycamore also did an awesome job coming in 21st with a 5,002, an average of 166.7. After the first day, Olivia Weber led LP with an 1160. Sophomore Mackenzie Hamilton had a 1119. Senior Maria Pollock a 1097. Junior Christine Ritchie a 1047 and senior Isabella Weber, a 10.46. For Sycamore, junior Brandy Stover. Junior Brandy Stover had an 11.15. Junior Kara Wittenberg had a 10.38. And senior Trista Ferretto had a 9.74. After hitting the bowling lanes on Saturday, LaSalle Peru moved up the rankings two spots and finished sixth with a two-day total of 11,198 and an average of 186.6. We'll give a standing ovation to the Lady Cavaliers. Amazing. Lockport stayed in the lead, winning it with an 11-743, 
an average of 195.7. Sophomore Mackenzie Hamilton was LP's top bowler with a 2,325. Isabella Weber, the senior, 2,278. Sophomore Olivia Weber, 2,237. Senior Maria Polak, 2,232, and junior Christine Ritchie, a 2,126. Again, those are two-day scores, and man, crazy high, crazy high. Individually, Geneseo senior Madison Holvid rolled a 691 in the first three games of day two, and then rolled a 597 for an average of 202.2 for the whole tournament, in a grand pin total of 2,426. Oregon junior Ava Wright was not far behind her as she had 597 in the first three on day two and then a 600 for a two-day total of 2,394 and an average of 199.5. LP sophomore Mackenzie Hamilton's average of 193.8 put her in 34th while the senior Isabella Weber was in 44th with her 189.8. Sophomore Olivia Weber was in 50th with her 186.4. Senior Maria Pollock with her 186 was in 52nd. Sycamore junior Brandy Stover finished 54th with an average of 185.4. Again, huge day for them. Crazy great scores. Already excited for the next bowling season. And I know Morris is already ready for the next competitive dance state tournament. Morris crushed it in the 1A field January 28th and 29th as they scored a 91.58 to lead everybody to win the state tournament. They're the champs. Morris, the Redskins, the champs. The closest to them was Lombard Montini, with a 91.42. Huge props to Morris. That isn't easy. I used to think it wasn't a sport. Little Brandon, younger Brandon, was like, nah, eh, that ain't a sport. They're just having fun, which is cool. You know, that's cool, but it's not a sport. As you get older and you're watching this stuff and you see what they do, it's competitive, it's a sport. They put in some work. So congrats to Morris on their state championship. The Boys and Girls Bowling and Dance Playoff Breakdowns was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. The staff of General Manager Ski Hartman, who is on this very episode with his Super Bowl predictions, and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranik, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Doug Safranik is from Mendota, Basketball Player of the Year in 2003, and is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Shimmer Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every single way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family. Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys, probably even jingle them for you. Unless you got the fob, you know they don't really jingle, but they're gonna hand it to you. 
to check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.MendotaFord.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Shimmer Mendota Ford. This brings us to the very, 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 very first ever girls wrestling state tournament in Illinois. Props to every single girl that has been involved wrestling with the boys, doing their thing, trying to get recognized. Your hard work paid off. You got a sectional, you got a state tournament, and as more people get involved, you'll have regionals and things like that. Congrats. My hats are off. You guys are pioneers. Sorry, you girls, you women are pioneers for the state of Illinois, for your schools, to put it on the map as part of the wrestling community. Mad props to you. Hat being taken off right now. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome job. These sectionals were held February 12th at the Naperville Central sectional. Joliet Central won it with a 103.5. Pretty dominant. Ottawa was 20th with a 26.5. Samanac 23rd with a 24. Taliana 22 was Morris at 24. Oregon had 15 for 31. The Lady Panthers of Putnam County scored 8 for 34th, and Amboy took 38th with 6 points. Advancing to the state tournament, we had four wrestlers. At 105, sophomore from Morris, Ella McDonald took second. At 110, the senior from Samanac, Shea Reisel, friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, won it all, sectional champion to go to state. That moved her record to 19-4 as she took it with a fall in 1 minute and 21 seconds over Victoria Moshes from Burlington Central. At 135, Oregon junior Elizabeth Reuter was fourth, moving her record to 7-3 as she fell in the third place match by an 8-2 decision. At 140, we had another sectional champ in senior Sarah Meyer from Ottawa, moving her record to 11-3 with a fall in 5-23 over Madison Shillsman from Joliet Central. At the Tinley Park Andrew sectional, Morton was victorious with a 163. Cole City came in 11th with a 27.5. At 125, Cole City senior Carly Ford wins a sectional championship with an 18 3 Tech Fall victory, moving her personal record to 13 3. With sectionals out of the way, it was time for the state tournament. February 25th and 26th in Bloomington. At 105, taking fourth place was Ella McDonald from Morris as she fell in the third place match. Still, you're top four at your weight class in the entire state. Congrats, Ella. At 110, Shay Reisel, Samanak Sr. taking the championship, moving her record to 23-4 and four as she won a 5-0 decision over Jacksonville Sr., Brooklyn Murphy. Huge props to Shay. Know she puts in the work. We've had her on here before talking about what she does. She loves the sport, and I'm so proud of her for getting that state championship. At 125, Carly Ford from Cole City took eighth. 
And at 140, Sarah Meyer from Ottawa took third place with a fall in 237 over Rachel Williams-Henry, a junior from Zion Benton. Congrats to Sarah as well. I know Coach Pete Marks, very, very proud and happy for her. Then the spotlight continued. As you know, wrestling, we got to have the spotlights for sectionals, state finals, and it happens every single year for boys wrestling. The regionals were February 5th, the sectionals February 12th, and then the state tournament was February 19th in Champaign. Always a big deal. It's a spectacle. Everybody in Illinois who pays attention to IHSA sports is always, always, always paying attention to the boys wrestling state final. And now we got a girls one to pay attention to too. So wrestling taking over the world. Regionals, February 5th. We're going to do it backwards. Usually we do 1A, 2A, 3A. We're going to go 3A, 2A, 1A. Let's start with the DeKalb Regional, 3A. DeKalb won it all. So many monster wrestlers on the Barb squad. They tear it up. They scored a 268 to pace the second place team, St. Charles East, who had a 224. The sectional qualifiers for the Barbs. At 106 pounds, third place was freshman Caden Clapprod. At 113, second place, Rory Burright. At 120, sophomore Daniel Aranda was second. At 126, senior Ethan Schultz was second. Senior Danny Curran was second at 132. Junior Austin Martin also took second at 138. Winning a regional title at 145 was senior Tommy Curran. 23-1 and one is his record after the regional. Also winning a regional title at 152 was senior Damian Lopez, moving his record to 23-3. Senior Caleb Wall took second at 160. Then DeKalb won four straight regional titles. 170 was senior Lucas Schemerbach with a 28-2 record. 182 was senior Bradley Gillum, whose record is now 24-2 after the regional. 195 was senior Bryson Buck, who moved his record to 23-8. And And at 220, Gavin Eng, the senior, moved his record to 21-7 with the regional victory. Junior Nate Sauer was third at 285. That's a whole lot of winning for DeKalb. Class 2A, Rockford East Regional. Sycamore won it all with a 168.5, while Aurora Christian took second with a 152. Sycamore had 11 wrestlers advance to the sectional. At 113, sophomore Jonathan Buckheiser was third. Also taken third was freshman Thomas Lind at 120, and senior Greg DeGan taking third at 132. 138, senior Trent DeMont took second. 145, with a third place finish, was junior Jaden Cochran. 152, 160, 170, and 182, Sycamore won regional titles. 152, senior Brayden Pete, who is now 38-1 after the regional. 160, was junior Gus Kambir, moving his record to 31-5. 170, was junior Zach Crawford was 33-3 after the regional. And at 182, sophomore Caleb Carrick, taking his record to 29-9. At 220 pounds, senior Jackson Funderburg finished second, and junior Lincoln Cooley was third at 285. The Class 2A LaSalle Peru Regional. 
Joliet Catholic took it with a 254, the champs. Morris was third with an 89. LaSalle Peru finished fourth with an 81. Ottawa with 79 points was fifth. And in seventh was Streeter with 18 points. At 106, Ottawa's sophomore Ivan Munez wins a regional title advancing the sectional. Finishing third was freshman Brandon Anderson from Morris, also going to sectional as the top four advance on. Streeter sophomore Nicholas Paulette was third at 113, while LaSalle Peru freshman Zach Posavasic finished fourth. At 120, LP freshman Regan Kellett was second, and Morris freshman Ian Wills was third. Tristan Simmons, senior from Ottawa, finished third at 132, while Jalen Richardson from Streeter was fourth. At 138, Tyler Semlar, a sophomore from Morris, finished third, and LaSalle Peru freshman Josh Bickford was fourth. At 145, Ottawa's Tristan Wheeler was third, and Morris's junior Levi Wilson was fourth. 152 saw local finishers second, third, and fourth, as senior Julian Gonzalez from Morris was second, Ottawa's Christian Land was third, and Steven Goplin from Streeter was fourth. At 160, LaSalle Peru sophomore Gage Swiskowski was third, while Ottawa's Wyatt Redding was fourth. 170, taking third was Morris sophomore A.J. Franzetti. 182, Ottawa was third from Charles Midrow, while Morris sophomore Andrew Paul took fourth. Winning a regional title was LaSalle Peru junior Connor Lorden at 195, moving his record on the season to 20 and 1. 220, LaSalle Peru sophomore Gunnar Wright took third, and Ottawa's Ryan Wilson was fourth. 285, the big guys, a junior, Justin Hammersbach from Morris was third, while junior Nick Belsky from LaSalle Peru was fourth. At the 2A United East Moline Regional, Rock Island won it with a 213. Geneseo was second with a 196.5. Rochelle was fourth with a 129.5. And Sterling had 64 points for sixth place. At 106, Geneseo freshman Tim Sebastian took second, while sophomore Tommy Tordot from Rochelle was third. The first local regional winner of the day at 113, freshman Zachary Montez from Geneseo, who at that point was 34-3 and on the season. Rochelle's Xavier Villalobos, a freshman, was second at 113. 120, Rochelle was third from freshman Joseph Nadig, while Geneseo junior Bennett Creener was fourth. 126, Geneseo took third from sophomore Cooper Shad while Rochelle Jr. Weldon Ney was fourth. Carson Rea, a senior from Geneseo, was third at 132. Freshman Grant Jensler from Rochelle was third at 138, while Geneseo Jr. Jack Snyder took fourth. 145 regional championship was won by Rochelle senior Caleb Nedig, moved his record to 29-3. Also at 145, Sterling's Drew Kessid took second, and Geneseo sophomore Josh Hawk was fourth. Also taking fourth at 152 was junior Aiden Damewood, also from Geneseo. Geneseo staying in the qualifying ranks at 160 as senior Anthony Montez wins a regional title, moving his record to 40-2. While Thomas Tate from Sterling 
took second, falling to Montez in the regional championship match. 170, senior Harrison Newman wins a regional title, taking his record to 32-10. Also at 170, Sterling's Noah Davis was third, and Rochelle sophomore Brock Metzger was fourth. 182, Geneseo senior Nathan McAvoy was third, and Sterling senior Chase Ulrich was fourth. At 195, Geneseo took fourth behind junior Landon Schumacher. At 220, finishing second was Rochelle freshman Caden Morris, and Geneseo freshman Braden Franzen was third. Back to the big guys, Rochelle Jr. Jaden Cook took second at 285, and Geneseo Jr. Levi Newman was third at 285. The 1A Sherrard Regional, Newman won it all with a 167.5, Princeton took fourth with a 122.5. At 113, Princeton senior Steven Benavidez was second, and Newman freshman Briar Ivy took third. Winning a regional title at 120 was Newman sophomore Brady Grennan as he moved his record to 36-1 on the season. Princeton freshman Ace Christensen was second. Matthew Harris, the senior from Princeton, won a regional title at 126, taking his record to 35-5. He beat Newman sophomore Carter Rood in the championship match, giving Rood second place. At 132, Newman freshman Daniel Kelly took second, and Princeton sophomore Carlos Benavidez took third. At 138, Will Rood from Newman takes the regional championship. The senior at this point was undefeated at 16-0. Will Rood won a state title last year, trying to get back in the mix to make it twice. 145, Newman's Brendan Tunick took third. 152, Newman senior Mason Gladell was second. Princeton junior Carson Etheridge took third at 160, while Newman senior Thomas Powers took fourth. Newman stayed in the qualifying ranks at 170 as Hunter Loyando took third. And then at 195, Newman's Christian Accarta took fourth. Princeton was fourth at 220 and 285 as junior Jesse Wright advanced at 220 and sophomore Payne Miller at 285. The 1A Seneca Regional saw Cole City and Seneca take all kinds of wrestlers to the sectional. Yorkville Christian won the team regional title with a 200. Cole City took second with a 175 and Seneca with a 102 was fourth. Cole City started at 106 taking second behind freshman Cullen Lindermuth. Third at 106 was Seneca junior Kyler Hahn. Cole City won its first regional title of the day at 113 behind senior John Hoosman, who moved his record to 26-6 and with the regional title. He defeated Seneca freshman Tommy Milton in the championship match, giving Milton second place. At 120, Cole City sophomore Brant Widlowski took second, while Seneca senior Jaden Casey was third. 126, junior Jacob Playtech for Cole City took second, and Seneca freshman Nick Grant was fourth. Seneca freshman Robbie Nelson took third at 132, while Seneca senior Owen Feener was second at 145, followed by Cole City senior Mateo Blessing at fourth. 152 saw Cole City senior Zach Finch take second, while Seneca senior Asher Hamby was fourth. At 160, Cole City took another second place finish, 
by junior Derek Carlson. At 170, sophomore Joey Brenneman was third for Cole City. 182, Cole City won a regional behind junior Braden Young, taking his record to 31-7, while senior Ashton Harvey won a regional for Cole City at 195, moving his record to 6-1. Whether you got 31 wins or 6 wins, as long as you get the job done at regionals, it really doesn't matter. Might look more impressive winning 31, but 6, you know, maybe he was injured, maybe he has other stuff going on, COVID, you know, we're in that era, who knows? But 6-1, and one, getting that regional title. At 220, Cole City senior Dylan Crunk was 3rd, while Seneca sophomore Alex Bogner was 4th. The Class 1A Sandwich Regional. Sandwich dominated with a 239.5. Plano was 3rd with a 125. St. Bede 4th with an 83. Amboy had 30 points for 6th. Samanak had 29 for 7th. Mendota scored 12 points for 10th. Sandwich won 9 regional titles at their own regional. Starting at 106 behind sophomore Ashlyn Strenz as he moved his record to 22-12. and 12. At 113, Samanak took a regional title behind freshman Mason Smith. He has an 11-9 record at regional time. Taking second was St. Bede sophomore Hunter Savage and Mendota freshman Cadence Thornton was fourth. At 120, Amboy junior Levi Neer was third, while Sandwich freshman Joseph Hernandez was fourth. Sandwich won a regional title at 126 behind sophomore Miles Corder, who had a 32-13 record by regional time. Samanak was third, but junior Aiden Rowan, while Plano senior Kane Hernandez was fourth. Sandwich comes up again at 132 behind senior Evan Frazier, 5-0 record. St. Bede was second behind senior Henry Ortiza. Mendota freshman Rhett Wilson was fourth. 138, Sandwich's Evan Riley adds to the regional total, moving his record to 29-3, while Plano junior Norbit Gaja was second. At 145, junior Nolan Bobie adds to the Sandwich ranks, moving his record to 26-10. and 10. Amboy senior Dylan Daniels was second. Plano freshman Antoine Guilford was fourth. At 152, Sandwich wins another regional behind senior Aiden Linden, moving his record to 40-4. and four. Plano junior Gio Diaz was second. At 160, yeah, you guessed it, junior Bryce Decker from Sandwich wins a regional. His record at the time, 30-14. and 14. Plano's Vincent Herbig was second. Senior from St. Bede, Ben Koyak, was third. At 170, senior Samuel Dale from Sandwich, moving his record to 23-10 with the regional title. Plano was third behind senior William Collins. Another one for Sandwich, 182 from senior Alex Alfaro, 39-1 record. St. Bede was third behind freshman Jake Miglarini, and Plano senior Taiwan Jackson was fourth. At 195, Plano gets a regional title behind junior Carnell Walls, who had a 12-4 record. Sandwich senior Connor Holly was second. Junior Ryan Miglarini from St. Bede was third. Three local qualifiers at 220 as Plano junior Andrew Harrelson was second. Sandwich senior Caden Gustafson was third. And St. Bede sophomore Gavin Hahn was fourth. Get to the big guys at 285. Alex Diaz from Plano was second. 
and sandwich senior Jamie Serrano was fourth. The 1A Farmington Regional, Kiwani, racked up 197.5 points for the W, the regional title, the regional championship. Congrats to the Boilermakers. The Boilermakers send 12 wrestlers to the sectional, including three regional titles. At 113, freshman Wyan Lambert was third. At 120, senior Nathaniel Hampton was second. Junior Hayden Davis took second at 126. Xander, I'm going to call him G. Let me spell this name out to you and you tell me how to say it. G-R-U-S-Z-E-C-Z-K-A. He took third at 132 because, yeah, that's Xander G. 138, Junior Max Kelly was second. 145, winning a regional title was Junior Will Taylor, moving his record to 18-7. And And at 152, Senior Caden Redenauer moved his record to 33-4 with a regional title. Freshman Alejandro Dorte was fourth at 170, while sophomore Jackson Hawkins took third at 182. Nate Lockett moved his record to 10-3, the junior winning the regional title at 195. Senior Elliot Nortman took fourth at 220, while senior Kane Lundgren took fourth at 285. The El Paso Gridley 1A Regional. Prairie Central won it all with a 141. Dwight tallied 103 for fourth. Pontiac took fifth with a 93. Hersher with 25 points took ninth. And Putnam County came in tenth with seven. At 106, Pontiac won a regional title behind sophomore Aiden Schlolin with a 16-2 record. At 113, Dwight took a regional title behind freshman Dylan Crouch, moving his record to 19-7. 126, Hersher took third behind sophomore Garrett Osenga. 132, another third place finish from Hersher behind senior Austin Grise. At 138, Dwight wins another regional title behind senior Dylan Sarf, who has his record at 25-4 at the regional. 145, Third place, Dwight, senior Emmett Emmons. Senior Brady Monahan for Pontiac took second at 152, while Dwight Jr. Austin Burkhart was second at 160. Another second place finish, Junior Hunter Travis from Pontiac at 170. 195, Putnam County freshman Elijah Leota was fourth. 220, another regional title for Dwight behind senior Samuel Edwards, who moved his record to 15 and 0. Taking fourth at 220 was Pontiac Jr. Aaron Shrewsbury. 285, Pontiac came in third behind senior Jacob Orndorff. Class 1A Dixon Regional. Winning it all was Lena Winslow with a 202. Dixon took second with a 157. Oregon was fifth with a 103. Polo sixth with a 90. Byron seventh with a 74. At 106, Dixon won a regional title behind sophomore Aiden Rowley, who had a 10-3 record at the time. Byron freshman Damian Palosios was third. At 113, getting the regional title was Oregon freshman Preston LeBay, who had a 17-13 record at the time. Dixon's sophomore Jacob Ranks was second. 120, Byron freshman Jackson Norris was second. Dixon freshman Gavin Kramer was fourth. At 126, Polo took second behind Wyatt Doty, while Dixon's Chris Sittler 
was fourth. At 132, Oregon took second behind junior Lane Helverson, while Byron freshman Jacob Ross was fourth. Oregon junior Seth Stevens took second at 138. Byron took third behind sophomore Carson Ben at 145, while Oregon sophomore Anthony Bauer was fourth. Polo took third at 152 behind Braden Alter, while Dixon sophomore Jace Kastner was fourth. Oregon took third at 160 behind junior Gabe Eckerd, while Dixon junior Owen Brooks was fourth. Dixon qualified again at 170 behind a fourth place finish from sophomore Steven Kitzman. Polo was second at 182 behind Wyatt Quackenborner, and Dixon senior Brody Potter was fourth. Dixon continued to advance at 195 with a third place finish from senior Mitchell White. Senior Justin Dallas from Dixon won a regional title at 220, moving his record to 19-4. The big guy Daniel Engel from Polo won the 285 regional title, taking his record to 20-2. Dixon Jr. Sean DeVries was second. Let's move to sectionals, which was the following weekend, getting it done was DeKalb once again, sending 11 guys to the state final, including four sectional champions. Freshman Caden Klaprot was third at 106. Sophomore Daniel Aranda, third at 120. 132 saw senior Danny Curran take third. 138, junior Ashton Martin was third. The first sectional title of the day was senior Tommy Curran, moving his record to 26-1 at 145. At 152, senior Damian Lopez was third. Senior Caleb Wall was third at 160. While at 170 and 182, we saw two more sectional titles for DeKalb. 170 was Luke Schimmerbach at 31-2, and and at 182 was senior Bradley Gillum at 27-2. 195 was the second place finish for senior Bryson Buck. At 220, Gavin Ang won a regional title, moving his record to 24-7. The 2A Sycamore sectional featured Geneseo, LaSalle, Peru, Morris, Ottawa, Rochelle, Sterling, Streeter, and Sycamore. 106, Geneseo freshman Tim Sebastian took fourth. Also freshman class of Geneseo, Zachary Montez took second. Rochelle freshman Alexander Villalobos was third. 138, Rochelle freshman Grant Gensler was fourth. Rochelle back on it. Taking third, 145, was senior Caleb Nadig. While Sterling senior Drew Kested was fourth. At 152, Sycamore senior Braden Pete was second. Winning the lone sectional title for anybody we cover in this sectional Geneseo senior Anthony Montez at 160, taking his record to 43-2. Finishing fourth at 160 was Sycamore junior Thomas Tate. At 170, Sycamore junior Zach Crawford took third. Ottawa junior Charles Medro was fourth at 182. LaSalle Peru junior Connor Lorden was fourth at 195, while Sycamore had two fourth place finishes, one at 220 behind Jackson Funderburg, the senior, and one behind junior Lincoln Cooley, who was fourth at 285. The 1A Stanford sectional, which featured Dwight, Hersher, and Kiwani. At 113, Dwight took third behind freshman Dylan Crouch. Dwight senior Dylan Sarf was third at 138. Dwight senior Emmett Emmons was fourth at 145. 
Kiwani senior Caden Ridenauer was fourth at 152. And then Samuel Edwards, the senior from Dwight, wins the lone regional from a local wrestler at 220 to move his record to 18-0. The 1A Princeton sectional also saw a bunch of local wrestlers advance as Amboy, Dixon, Mendota, Oregon, Samanac, St. Bede, Byron, Plano, Polo, obviously Princeton, Sandwich, and Newman all competed. Dixon took second at 106 behind sophomore Aiden Rowley. 113, Newman freshman Briar Levy was fourth. Winning his sectional title at 120 was Newman sophomore Brady Grennan, moving his record to 39-1. and While Princeton freshman Ace Christensen lost to Grennan in the final to take second. At 126, Polo Jr. Wyatt Doty was second, while Newman sophomore Carter Rood was third. Oregon Jr. Lane Harvelson was fourth at 132. Three local wrestlers advanced at 138 as Will Rood, the senior from Newman, moved his record to 19-0 with the championship. Sandwich senior Evan Riley was second, and Oregon Jr. Seth Stevens was fourth. 152, Sandwich Senior Aiden Linden was third. 170, Sandwich Senior Samuel Dale was second. Sandwich did it again at 182 with a second place finish from Senior Alex Alfaro. Dixon Senior Mitchell White was fourth in 195. Then third place finishes in 220 from Dixon Senior Justin Dallas and at 285 behind the big guy, Polo Senior Daniel Engel. The 1A Cole City sectional. Saw Cole City take 8 to state, and Seneca took 2. At 106, Seneca junior Kyler Hahn was 2nd, while Cole City freshman Colin Lindemoth was 3rd. At 113, Cole City senior John Hoosman was 2nd. Cole City sophomore Brant Wodlowski was 3rd at 120. Seneca senior Owen Feener 3rd at 145. Cole City advanced at 152. 160, 182, 195, and 220. The 152 is behind senior Zach Finch with the second place finish. 160, junior Derek Carlson taking third. Second place finish in 182 from junior Braden Young. 195 was a sectional title for senior Ashton Harvey, moving his record to 9-1. And, and senior Dylan Cronk took fourth at 220. Now it's time for the big show, the state final, February 17 and 19 at Champaign. Man, like I said, the spotlight, the atmosphere, the environment for this event is ridiculous. It's tons of fun. If you've not been, even if you don't like wrestling, I know wrestling, gyms, the mats start smelling, the wrestlers start smelling. You know it's wrestling. It's a physical sport. But the environment, the team family feel from everybody in that gym it is super cool at least go check out a couple matches before you you know start making a judgment it is a ton of fun i recommend let's break this down lots of amazing stuff from local wrestlers 3a dekalb took eight medals home including a state championship at 120 finishing fourth was daniel aranda the sophomore taking his record to 31 and 10 his last match lost 5-0 decision. Senior Danny Karan took 5th at 132, taking his record to 31-6. His last match, a 5-4 decision. At 145 is the state champion, 
senior Tommy Curran, 30-1 and one on the season, wins it in cool fashion with a 3-1 decision. Congrats to him. Man, that's not easy. 30-1 and one and 3A? 3A is not easy by any means. You're fighting wrestling. We'll call it fighting. I mean, you're battling. The best of the best, the biggest of the biggest in the state. The huge schools with the biggest enrollment. That's who you're wrestling against. Tommy held his own, lost one match the entire season. Big props to Tommy. At 152, senior Damian Lopez was third, taking his record to 30-5. and five. His last match, the third place match, he won via 5-2 decision. Luke Schemerbach took eighth at 170. At 182, Bradley Gillum, so close to winning the state championship, but finished his second, lost in overtime, had an extra round, just couldn't get it done. It happens to the best of us. Finished his season 30-3. and three. Taking third, senior Bryson Bach at 195. His last match, he won via 7-3 decision. His record now 29-10. and 10. At 220, Gavin Ang, the senior, was sixth via a 3-0 decision. His record ends at 27-10. and 10. In 2A, at 113, Rochelle freshman Xavier Villalobos finished his season at 45-6 with a second-place finish. Lost by major decision, 17-6. Man, 45-6? That's insane. Taking fourth at 113 was Geneseo freshman Zachary Montez. His record, 40-6. Lost a 4-2 decision in the third-place match. At 145, finishing fourth, Caleb Nadig, the senior from Rochelle, lost a 1-0 decision in the third place match. He ends at 36-6. Drew Kessid, Sterling Sr., was 6th at 145 via forfeit. 152, Braden Pete finished 2nd, also lost in an extra round. Man, finishes 43-3. The senior did his thing so close to a state championship. At 160, Anthony Montez, who had been my pick to win it all, has a 48-3 record to end the season, finishes third as he won the third place match via 1-0 decision. Sterling's Thomas Tate took eighth at 160. At 285, the big guys, Lincoln Cooley Jr. from Sycamore was sixth, losing via fall in his last match in three minutes and eight seconds. He finished the season with a 40-8 and record. In 1A, 120, Brady Grennan, the sophomore from Newman, takes third as he won the third place match via fall in 3 minutes and 56 seconds. His record, 44-2 and on the season. Cole City sophomore Brant Widlowski took fifth, finishing the record 42-9. and His last match, a win with a 3 minute and 25 second fall. At 126, Polo Jr. Wyatt Doty took third with a 4-2 decision in the third place match, ending the season at 31-6. Carter Rood was sixth at 126, the sophomore from Newman, ending with a 45-6 record. Last match, a 14-2 major decision loss. At 138, Dylan Sarf lost in the championship via 10-6 decision. The Dwight Sr. finishes 31 and 6. 
Will Rude, trying to defend his state title, loses a match, ends the season 23-1, and takes third place, where he won in extra rounds. Sandwiches Evan Riley took eighth at 138. 152. Aiden Linden, the senior from Sandwich, won the third place match with a 6-4 decision, taking his record to 47-6. Zach Finch, the senior from Cole City, was fifth via injury. Also via injury, at 185, senior Sandwich Alex Afaro took fifth. 195, Ashton Harvey, senior from Cole City, ends his season at 13-2, taking third with a 7-6 decision win. Justin Dallas, the senior from Dixon, took 8th at 220, while Polo senior Daniel Eng ends the season 26-6 with a 6th place finish, winning with a 5-23 fall. That is it. Tons of names to talk about. Congratulations to all of them. Man, again, huge credit fighting, wrestling, battling, scratching, clawing against every single wrestler, every single school in the state. Big props to them. Hold on to those medals, those memories forever. That's something special. Speaking of special, it's March. It's almost spring. Almost so close to nice weather. We had a teaser yesterday. March 2nd, it was like 60. Could have wore shorts if you wanted to. And then today comes around and it's cold. Jacket isn't good enough. Hoodie's not good enough. Man, Illinois, make up your mind. But saying it's close to nice weather, it may be almost close for outdoor family gatherings. Not yet, not yet. It's still close. It's not happening yet. But it is time to put those home renovations into effect. Olson Construction is a licensed and insured family-owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have the skills and 10 years of experience to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, formulate, and percolate, it's time for the percolator. Home renovations in any room, hallway, staircase, garage, shed, or basement. For a free estimate, call 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Well, I think that about does it. Long intro, tons of accomplishments, things to be proud of, check marks off the bucket list, goals made, reached, highlighted, done. Congratulations for all your hard work, everything you've done, coaches, players, teams. It's not easy. None of this is easy. Congratulations. Way to get it done. Way to get it done. Last part of the pod, like I mentioned in the beginning, Ski Hartman, Tony Miles, Devin Masters, talking about the Super Bowl. Let's recap a few things because obviously this was the Wednesday before. Super Bowl ended with a 23-20 victory by the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Bowl champs, and they did it in LA. Halftime show, awesome, represented LA, the hip-hop world, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent. It was pretty amazing. Even if you don't like that type of music, you had to enjoy the show just because it was different. It was the first hip-hop dominated halftime show. It was pretty cool. I loved it, but that's my era. That's my music. So, you know, I'm going to love it. 
Cooper Cup was named the MVP of the Super Bowl. He should have been named the MVP of the season. Aaron Rodgers got it for the NFC. It should have been Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup led every receiver in every category all across the board. Led everything. He made the Rams offense as dynamic as it was. Yeah, he had help. Odell Beckham Jr. is no slouch, not at all. But the yards after catch, the things that Cooper Cup was doing on the ground, catching balls, that was all him. He did that. He deserved to be the MVP. We mentioned sacks and how many times Joe Burrow from the Bengals, the quarterback, was going to get sacked. In the AFC Championship game, it was nine. So we were like, is it going to be over or under? He got sacked seven times by the LA Rams. Well, let the interviews do the rest of the talking. I'm going to get out of here. COVID's over, so we're going to get these shows out a lot quicker, a lot faster. Have to. I know I say that all the time, but it's time now. I mean, you guys have been waiting on me. I can't have that happen anymore. So until next time, peace. We're joined by our guy, Shimmerman Dota 4 General Manager, Ski Hartman. What's going on, Ski? Nothing. Just driving home from work like I usually talk to you it's a great time you get to drive home you know work's done you're gonna go see your family and you get to talk to me sounds like a great way to end the night yeah it's really good end of a good day for sure we got a super bowl coming up on sunday and we got two teams the rams were probably kind of expected not huge favorites but they snuck their way in to be a huge favorite and then the cincinnati Bengals, who is kind of everybody's cinderella at the moment what do you think's gonna happen going into this game well, I actually, when we talked before, I predicted the Rams were going to be in the Super Bowl, but I predicted the Bills were going to be in there too, so I was half right. I just think that the Rams are going to do it at home. I just think their defense is too tough, and with the offensive line struggles that Cincinnati has, you know, you got Joe Burrow got sacked nine times that first playoff game. I bet you they get sacked more than that in this game. Definitely. I'm going to go with the Rams too. And to me, I just want to see Matt Stafford get a ring. He's with the awful Detroit Lions for a long time. I think he only made the playoffs three times in over a decade playing with them. Then he comes to the Rams, one shot, he's already in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's kind of a feel-good story. I think we talked about this the last time. You know, he was he was spent 12 seasons with the Lions and had to deal with the Packers being that good for those all those years, you know, the Vikings and the Bears having their good seasons and stuff like that. It's just a tough division, and they really didn't put a lot of talent around him. And, like, even OBJ, I think him going there, I always liked him. Not, not a fan of some of his off-the-field stuff, but um, I know he's a great wide receiver, and he's taken the role that they put him in there, so... The way I look at it, Matt Stafford to me is probably, I'm going to say, a top-ten quarterback. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league. Cooper Cup is the best wide receiver in the league. Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in the league. I don't see how a team like that that has that much star power and amazing football players don't win this game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, but everybody said that Cincinnati couldn't beat Kansas City. Everybody said they couldn't beat Tennessee. Who did they play the first week? They weren't supposed to win that game either. So, you never know. And Super Bowls can be can be deceiving, you know, everybody the Patriots going to beat Eli Manning and the Giants that year, they were 18-0 going into the Super Bowl, and the Giants won that game. Ooh, you got to bring up the Giants and the Patriots, I see you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I like underdogs. I don't mind Cincinnati. Uh, I, like I said, I think Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. He's, he's, he's got the right mentality. He's not cocky. He's not arrogant. 
you know, and I, I like that. You know, I'm not I'm not a fan of some of these quarterbacks and or any players that just think they're better than everybody else. Joe Burrow to me is going to be a similar Tom Brady. I don't know if he gets goat numbers, goat championships, anything like that, but just his persona, him as a quarterback, I can see him being Tom Brady-ish. Yeah, I can see that. You know, kind of nice demeanor, you know, not take all the credit for everything. Uh, you know, that's another thing I like that he gives credit to his teammates. And I was just listening to ESPN. I was just Spain and Fitz before you called me and they were talking about how even when his offensive line gives up nine sacks, he's not the quarterback that's yelling at him for missing blocks and stuff like that. He's just still pumping them up. So he's kind of a cheerleader while he's playing. That ain't a bad thing. Yeah, well, I mean, be, you coached, I coached. I mean, that's that's kind of what you are. You're a cheerleader when you're a coach. And, you know, you're, you're depending on what kind of coach you are, you know, and that's the type of coach that I am. I, you know, I cheer my team on, try to lift them up when they're doing something wrong. And, you know, I mean, there's different types of coaches, just like there's different types of players. Definitely, definitely. Anything else you want to say about the game before we get a prediction? Um, no, I just, I think it's neat that they, uh, the Rams made it in their home stadium. I wish it would have been three years in a row instead of just two years in a row, you know, because three years ago it was in Minnesota, and I wish Vikings would have made it there, you know. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I just think it's pretty cool that they get to play at their home stadium, and hopefully they come home with another win at their home stadium, and maybe this will be a, an ongoing theme because it never happened until last year with Tampa Bay, so... What's your prediction for this game? I'm going to say Rams 31, Bengals 24. Okay. Okay. I like it. How about you? What's your prediction? Ooh, I'm going to go Rams. I'm going to go 36-21. I think it's going to be a little more wide open. I think the Rams defense is going to be pretty crazy on uh, the Bengals. I mean, they've seen with Jamar Chase, the whole league knows what he can do. But now with T. Higgins, they know what he can do. I feel like they're going to be ready defensively, and they've been awesome all year. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a little more wide open. Yeah, we'll see. A few more days away, right? Yeah, it is. It is. As always, my man, it is a pleasure speaking with you. Always can get down on some football. Thank you for joining us, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, to talk some Super Bowl and see what's going to happen. All right, buddy. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. It's been a little while, but we had to have our brosive, former co-host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Tony Miles, had to have him back on, talk some Super Bowl. Tone, what's up, my dude? Not much, not much, man. You've been doing some great things, brother. I'm trying, I'm trying. Super Bowl, today's Wednesday, it's on Sunday. You and I watch pretty much as much football as we can digest. We've watched a lot of great games this year including these playoffs they've been insane what have you seen from the Bengals and Rams that you're like okay these two teams are in and they deserve it well to start the wife don't like that we watch a lot of Super Bowl but you know or a lot of football but we do you know, that's what we do <laughs> so um you know what I tell you I tell you one thing if you would have told me that Cincinnati would be where they're at today uh, at the start of this year especially after losing to the Bears uh, early in the season I would have called you crazy. Uh, I don't think anybody really had them pegged. Joe Burrow has done amazing things, and uh, you know this is—it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I really believe that. 
this is more of a game for Jamar Chase. And I know that we know the consensus is out with Matthew Stafford. It seems like everybody wants him to get a Super Bowl after being in lonely Detroit for as long as he was. But I don't know. I, I think Jamar Chase comes out swinging, buddy. I think I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they play together at LSU. They, they know what they're doing. And I, I think it's going to be special. We'll see what happens. I do believe it's going to be special, but I do think with the Rams having that secondary, Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over Chase. I just think defensively, they match up with the Bengals better than their offense does with the Rams' defense, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, could, could you imagine being able to watch Jalen Ramsey and Jamar Chase every week play each other? Oh, that'd be crazy. I want to see that in practice. And then we're going to see it in a Super Bowl, like, oh... Yeah, it's that's that's going to be a huge matchup to watch. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. The best part about it is it's not even, you know, these guys are young. They got plenty of years left, you know. You know, Jalen's in his prime, middle of his season, but I, I mean, middle of his career. But, boy, I tell you, they're going to be a lot of fun, Brandon. Oh, yeah, no doubt. We got a Bengals team that could be this good for quite a while. They might be, you know, the next Kansas City Chiefs, you know, working their way up and then, bam, start hitting people with Super Bowls. Defense has got to get better, though. That's the one thing that probably, you, you know, that's probably the thing that surprises me the most. Joe Burrow deserves all the credit he's getting because you have to understand, I mean, I don't know the numbers and you can't quote me on it, but you have to think most of these Super Bowl teams that come down to it, they're top 10 defenses. And, you know, I haven't looked at it, but just by the eye test alone, it doesn't seem like Cincinnati would be that defense. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm really afraid that, Matthew Stafford and the Rams will really get to them and it's going to be it's going to have to be a shootout if it's going to be close yeah because that receiving core of the Rams led by Cooper Cup is just crazy dynamic who do you think is more important Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham because my, my whole thing that I come on to is if they're going to if they're going to zone in on Cooper Cup and you're going to leave OBJ one-on-one <laughs> pick your poison I suppose I'm still going to go with Cooper Cup because if you look at the postseason games, we know what Cup has done all year. I mean, he, he led the league in just about every wide receiving category ever, ever known a man, and they couldn't stop him. He was getting touchdowns left and right, big, big yard plays. He was doing that against great defenses. I don't think there's going to be much of a stop for Cooper Cup in this game either. Speaking of Cooper Cup, did you see that uh, that thing that came out about his dad and his uh, fantasy football team? No, I did not. <laughs> they always, as, as a courtesy, they always let Cooper Cup's dad pick Cooper Cup. Like they don't take him as like a draft. It's like an automatic. Like it's almost like you know, if in our if our league we were just saying, hey, you know what, Brandon, here's your favorite player. We're going to give him to you. You know, they let him have Cooper Cup, and they said this is the last year they're allowing it because of the stats that he put up. So next year he's going to have to draft him. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty smart for the other players in the league. I bet he won. I would like to know. I heard about that probably like week eight, week nine of the NFL season, and I never did look into it, but I'd be interested to know if he actually ended up winning that or not. Yeah, you would think that he did. With that caliber of player, is probably his number one draft pick. Right, yeah. So that's pretty, that was a pretty interesting story, yeah. Definitely. Before I let you go, we got to get a prediction. Who do you think wins, and what's the score? Well, you know me. I'm not a simplistic person. I got to give it to you hard, hardly uh, two different ways. My brain tells me that you can't go against the Rams and what they did to getting all the people they have. I mean, the, my brain tells me that. My, my heart wants Cincinnati to win. Uh, I, I really, I'll go back to the defense thing. I, I don't believe, I, I think Joe Burrow could be, for lack of a better way, an Aaron Rodgers and the fact that I don't know if he ever gets back there. I, I don't because I just think they're going to have to do better on their defense if they're going to plan on 
coming back and, and being a perennial playoff team and, and taking themselves to the AFC Championship game and possibly getting to the Super Bowl. But if I have to give you a pick, I'm going to go with my heart. And I, I, I say Cincinnati 31-24, but I, I say that lightly just for the fact that they're going to win. They're going to have to. It's going to be a shootout. Okay, okay. Wow, 31-24 in favor of the Bengals. In L.A. I'm making the gap a little bigger because of the Rams' offense and their defense, I think, just matches up with the Bengals better than anybody else's. I'm going to go 36-21 Rams. Wow. I think it's going to be a little more spread out, and there's no way that we can have that many close field goal winning playoff games all playoffs. It can't happen every single game. All right, I'll put you on the spot right now. If if my prediction comes closer than your prediction, which we can judge off of that pretty easily, if my prediction comes closer, I get 10 minutes on your, on your podcast with you talking about these bulls because I'm dying to talk about that too. Deal. deal. Actually, we probably don't even have to have a deal. You're always welcome here. But we'll just to make <laughs> it fun. Deal. I, I just know you're busy and I'm busy, but we, we got we, we to slide a little bulls in there, man. I'm excited about this team. And I just want to go ahead and tell you right now, since I brought it up, I, I really so I just saw something about them getting Marvin Bagley in a buyout. If that happens, that's going to be awesome. We need a big so bad. Yeah. we Or, you know, Christian Wood or Marvin Bagley, and we'll be good to go. You know, that's no, what I want. No doubt. We'll save that for the next time you're on. Thanks, that's bro. Cool. As always, for coming on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, man. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Have a great night, okay? Had to put the Bulls game on pause. Okay, no, it's halftime of Wednesday's game against the Charlotte Hornets. We need to talk some NFL. We got one game left, Super Bowl. We got our guy. I'm going to call you the edge of your seat podcast wingman because Devin Masters reps edge of your seat podcast all day sends me stuff to help me with the show is always super cool gets on anytime i want to talk about something so devin you're back let's talk super bowl who do you got in this game i'm gonna take the underdogs i'm gonna take cincinnati Bengals. the Bengals. what is it about cincinnati that you think they got the super bowl championship wrapped up they got the swagger they got a team that has been overlooked all year. They got a damn good defense. They got Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, some of the best guys on, in the league on their side of the football. And they got Joe Burrow. The man's got some swagger, and the man can play some ball. Being compared to Tom Brady and Joe Montana, and that's saying something about Joe Burrow. I think the man's going to go off in the Super Bowl, have a record performance, and win Super Bowl MVP. You really think that he's in that level of quarterback with a Tom Brady or with a Joe Montana? I sure do. I, I think we're going to look back five years from now, six years from now, and say, we were right. We were right. Do you think he is that caliber of quarterback now, or do you think he could be that type of quarterback? He's going to be that type of quarterback. There's no doubt. And I'd have Especially to Especially with the talent around him on all sides of the football. They say in football, once you have a quarterback, they'll start coming. And that's what we got going on in Wincinnati, not Cincinnati. Oh, snap. Bringing the Wincinnati out, huh? Oh, yeah. What I do like about Cincy, I am going Rams. I think the Rams are going to win this game. But what I do like about Cincy is their wide receivers. I love Jamar Chase. 
They got mm-hmm. so many options, even outside of him. Like, he's been being deed up, and another guy gets open, and another guy gets open. Because Joe Burrow can find anybody on the field, no doubt about it. But he's got the talent to do that with. So, if there's anything I really like about Cincy that I think would give them sort of an edge or that they could get in the game would be their wide receivers and their position players. However, on the other side... The Los Angeles Rams defense is nasty, and I think they take that offense and kind of make it a little less dynamic than it usually is. Fair, fair, fair enough. I I, I, I can agree with you on everything you just said there. I do see the Rams playing prolific football, good football, and they are going to shred every offensive lineman Cincinnati has in this Super Bowl. There's no doubt. Do you think Joe Burrow is going to get sacked nine times like he did in a previous postseason game? Oh, he'll be sacked more than nine times, but he's going to get up and he's going to have that level of competitiveness that he's always had all year long, all season long, and he's still going to find his receivers, his tight ends, anybody that can catch the football, he's going to be throwing it to. And he best keep his eyes out for Jalen Ramsey on the Rams defense. As we all know, Ramsey is a ball hawk on defense. Ramsey and... Chase is going to be the best one-on-one matchup we've seen in the Super Bowl in a long time. For sure. For sure. It's going to be probably the best cornerback wide receiver matchup we've had in a Super Bowl for over a decade or so. So this is going to be a good one. We're in for a show, folks. I totally agree. Totally agree. I like that you're going with the Cinderella team, the you know, the underdog. I really like Cincinnati, and there were some games during the season when I was doing my pickums and stuff that I picked Cincinnati that I never really thought I would, and they became a really solid team. Watching them in the playoffs beat the Chiefs, beat the Titans in back-to-back weeks was impressive. Now they put themselves in the biggest game of the year against the Rams. I just think that Cinderella's story, they're going to break a tip of the, the golden, the golden, the glass slipper. They're going to break the heel. Something's going to happen in this game, and I just don't think they're going to be able to recover. You're probably right, but we'll just have to wait and find out and see what happens here. But as long as uh, Joe Burrow does not take no big hits and uh, he can withstand the pain punishment that that Rams defense is going to bring, we all know they will bring the pain to Joe Burrow, no doubt. But we'll see how much he can withstand staying in the pocket, how long he stays in the pocket. Maybe he has to become a mobile quarterback like somebody like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes worthy and maybe we see Joe Burrow run the football more than he normally does in this Super Bowl matchup picking the Bengals over the Rams do you think Matt Stafford is going to have one of his uh, not so great games I see Matt Stafford having a great game I just see the Bengals getting off to a fast start and the Rams not being able to catch up Okay. Okay. Fair points, my friend. Fair points. I ask that because Stafford has been known to kind of, you know, not play his best in, in big games, but he was with the Detroit Lions, not a team of the caliber of this year's Los Angeles Rams. So we'll see what happens, no doubt. But we cannot let you go. We cannot let you leave without a prediction. What's the score if you think the Bengals are going to win? 41-38. That's what my final prediction will be.
Ooh, that's a shootout. It's going to come down to an Evan McPherson field goal, and I predict that he will break the kicking field goal record range in the Super Bowl and break Adam Vinatieri's Super Bowl record. Wow. So you just think this rookie field goal kicker, a second-year quarterback, and a rookie wide receiver in Jamar Chase are going to come in here and win the Super Bowl? Yes, I sure do. Oof, that's that's a bold, bold, bold prediction. I mean, at this point, we're 50-50, so it's not like, you know, it's crazy whether you go heads or tails. It's the two best teams left. But, man, that's a lot of youth to rely on in the biggest game of the year. For sure, for sure. It's going to be a good one. It's going to come down to a Evan McPherson field goal, and I'm calling it now. Perfect. As always, Devin Masters. Appreciate you being on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, talking some NFL with us. Not just NFL, the Super Bowl. Thanks, my man. You know you're always welcome here. Always. We'll be back on to talk some Chicago Bulls postseason basketball here soon. Oh, yeah. I'm watching the game now, so we'll get back to that. Oh, yeah. Let's go Bulls.